research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Peter Schweitzer, and this is The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. We have a great show today, and my co-host, as always, uh, today is Eric Eggers. Eric, how are you? I'm excellent, Peter. I'm glad we all survived the holiday season, and we're back to continue to expose government corruption in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and we all had travel. Now, the last podcast, we covered the issues of travel and cronyism, corruption, how it's making travel more difficult. Today, uh, we're going to talk about the Bidens, uh, and we're going to talk about, a, <laughs> I guess, a strange new form of travel insurance. It's super bizarre, and this story uh, is emerging. I think it will become a dominant story because it, it merges uh, two very popular topics within certain media spheres. You've got the Israeli-Hamas uh, conflict, and you've got Hunter Biden. How could they possibly be related? Yeah, well, apparently, uh, and we're going to talk about this more in, in greater detail, the first American hostage has been released uh, in uh, by Hamas. Uh, President Joe Biden himself was personally involved in the negotiations, according and, to John Kirby. And that's been like universally reported that Joe Biden's like, no, 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 I'm involved. The Biden administration's involved at the highest levels, as you might expect in terms of securing the release of the hostages, including the unknown number of American hostages. That's right. That's right. John Kirby also said they don't really know how many American hostages they are. But the first one that gets released happens to be related. <laughs> you can't make this up to somebody who's bought more than a million dollars worth of Hunter Biden artwork. No, on the one hand, it's a terrific story. It's a heartwarming story. I mean, it, it is a tragedy. It's a four year old girl whose parents yes. were killed in the October 7th attack in Israel. She's been held hostage and she is one. You know, John Kirby's ac actual quote is. Well, we think the number is, well, it's less than 10, probably in the neighborhood of, you know, eight to nine. We don't necessarily have firm, solid information. So they don't know how many Americans are right. being held hostage by Hamas at the moment. We do know one of them was a four-year-old girl who's now been released. Yeah. And it just so, so that's great, right? Congratulations yes. to her and her family. Wonderful. It's just weird and odd that she happens to be apparently the niece or the great niece of uh, a woman named Liz Hirsch Naftali, who happens to have been a customer of Hunter Biden's. Yeah, one of the few, by the way. This is not a guy that's selling millions of pieces of artwork. It's uh, not Costco. Yeah, it's not Costco. And she paid more than a million dollars uh, for Hunter Biden's artwork. Uh, and this is a story we're going to follow, but it goes to the crux of the larger topic of what we want to discuss today. The breaking news, of course, in addition to this, is the fact that Hunter Biden has agreed to testify uh, before the House Oversight Committee. Which I don't know why. He's innocent, right? His lawyers said <laughs> they well, proved Proven he's innocent. Yeah, that's right. And uh, he is going to testify under oath, says that he's looking forward to it. We're going to talk about that today and we're going to discuss what are the questions that the committee should ask Hunter Biden. And before we get to that, we need to, I think, talk a little bit about context. What are these hearings about? What's going to be accomplished? What's not going to be accomplished? Let's be clear. First of all, Hunter Biden is not a willing witness. He's being subpoenaed. He's showing up because essentially he has to show up or he lists, you know, risks going to jail. That's the, the charge against uh, C. Bannon right now that he defied a congressional subpoena. Uh, but the other thing we have to make clear is that 
Hunter Biden uh, doesn't have always a running knowledge of the truth. Uh, he has changed his story repeatedly about whether, you know, his father actually met with his business partners. No, they didn't. Whether his father knew. No, they didn't. We now know that all of those things that he said essentially were not true. So you've got to approach this realizing that Hunter Biden's not necessarily going to tell the truth based on his back record. So we have some recommendations on what those questions should be. It gets hazy. And by the way, I just want to say four-year-old hostages, Hunter Biden, and Steve Bannon. This is officially my favorite podcast we've ever done. Just, we're bringing in all kinds of fun, loose stuff. But but to be very serious, the reason why it matters and the reason why we actually mentioned Hunter Biden's connection to the first American hostage to be rescued is when you start, and this is where Hunter Biden's obfuscation, not just, by the way, to members of Congress, but at times even to his own business partners, why it matters is because it's impossible to look at the rescue of the first American hostage and, and wonder, without a doubt, is it just because she was a four-year-old girl or is it because – is there any possibility that she was rescued because her aunt happens to be a Democratic donor and Hunter Biden's client? I mean it's a fair question to ask. On the one hand, from a humanitarian standpoint, of course, we want to rescue every four-year-old girl. We want to rescue every hostage, period. But it just becomes weird that the first one happens to be connected to Joe Biden when Joe Biden's been very public about the fact that he's intervened personally in rescuing the hostages. And so if you if that becomes the lens, then – what other questions is it fair to wonder about what, um, you know, what role Hunter Biden may have played his business deals? Joe Biden's financial interest through Hunter Biden might have done in shaping U.S. foreign policy. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And there's two big lies. And I would say big with a capital B, L with a capital L, big lies that Team Biden has been kind of perpetuating all of this. And it's going to come out in these hearings. The first one is uh, basically to say Joe Biden didn't get paid. There's no bribery. Now, of course, we know that Joe Biden did get paid, I think, some $240,000. They but literally have the receipts. They do. They have the receipts. But the bottom line is, even if Joe Biden didn't get paid, it doesn't matter. His family got paid. That's that's the, the, the crucial thing here. It's not a function of just politicians getting paid. If their family members getting paid and there are favors that are being done in return for that money, that constitutes bribery. And that brings us to the second big lie. And that's the notion that the only bribery that matters is you are Senator Eric Eggers from Florida. I walk in with a shoebox and I say, I'm giving you $100,000 in cash and I want this specifically in exchange. Now, that happens sometimes, but that's like, you know, when people, you, when you go out and buy a product, right? You're going out and buying uh, uh, ear pods or you're buying some product, you're paying cash. Some bribery can take the form of a retainer or a subscription. I mean, in other words, you're not always using the service, but you have access and you get certain favors that may not be directly correlated with the exact payment. But the point is you're getting services and favors in return for the fact that you have thrown money to a politician or their family member. So these are two big lies that you have to be aware of. Because Team Biden is going to argue Joe didn't really get any money and you can't demonstrate one specific thing that Joe Biden did that's tied to the money. That is not the standard for bribery in the United States. Nor should it be. And I, I know I like to tease you about having outdated references, but I just <laughs> in that vein, bribery these days, I, I love how like in cute Peter Schweitzer land, bribery occurs with shoeboxes of cash. 
It's straight. <laughs> it's straight sticks of crypto today, son. A shoebox with cash. Like I'm going to walk into your Senate office with a shoebox. I just, just want to hang out in the world in which you imagine because it sounds delightful. The, uh, the older world was a much better place. That's but, why I hang out there. But I do. I do want to say that um, you know we have concerns because I think. There are real questions to ask, and that's actually why we're doing this podcast. And we're going to talk about the seven questions that the Oversight Committee needs to ask Hunter Biden. Yeah. But it, implied in those seven questions are the, the categories that need to be stayed away from. Because I think what we've learned from previous uh, testimony from other people that are connected to Joe Biden is a lot of members of Congress use their time to ask questions as basically they're trying to create viral moments for their own social media yeah. profile. It's a media event. It's not actually legal procedure. Hey, and that's fine. Right. And so that's actually what causes some concern because, look, there's plenty of fun media content related to the Hunter Biden thing. So the, you could get questions about drug use. You could get questions about uh, the pornography on his laptop. You could get questions about the, the guns. Right. But if we're actually trying to advance the interest of the investigation and find out in a very real and journalistically serious way just how corrupt the Biden administration is, then we need to stay away from the guns and the yes. drugs and the women. Yeah. And we need to focus on these financial transactions because those are Hunter Biden offenses. Right. Uh, I don't I mean, I don't think anybody has drawn any inference that Joe Biden was somehow involved with a gun purchase, with the drug use, with the, none of that. So the question comes down to this is a congressional hearing looking at a possible impeachment of Joe Biden. It's not an impeachment of Hunter Biden. Right. So they need to focus on those particular subjects. So the key also to understanding this is if you're going to approach this, you need to approach this as a good prosecutor. Now, Let's admit it. There are some dim bulbs on this committee, uh, people that are not necessarily the brightest people, but there are some really smart ones. But the point is, you have to ask questions that you know the answer to uh, and that you can then follow up with something else. Um, and this goes to the issue of credibility. This also goes to the point of, of proving your point. So we've got a couple of examples of questions like that. Yep. So, for example, one of the questions we that he should ask is, did you uh, use your father's office to gain commercial opportunities overseas. Yeah, I think two questions that you've identified that I think correctly help frame like why this matters, right? Why Hunter Biden matters because it's about the connection between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. So it's, yeah, did you use the first two questions are, did you use your father's office to gain commercial opportunities overseas? And did you ever discuss foreign policy matters with your father from people who were paying about people who were paying you money? Right. He and, said consistently the answer to number two is no. Right. He said it about number one as well. <laughs> But, you know, the point is, is that if he says yes to the first one or the second one, then you you can, well, you know, give us an example. So let's talk about it. And then I think things are going to really go sideways for the Biden. So yeah. if Hunter Biden admits on those, what he's probably going to do is say no. He's going to say, no, I never used my father's office to uh, gain commercial opportunities overseas. And then I think the follow up should be to just read from Hunter Biden's emails. And uh, we have actually seen, because what we've done at the Government Accountability Institute is go through Hunter Biden's laptop. We've gone through the different email accounts we've had access to to be able to triangulate through multi-source authentication. Not that we're like a credit card company, but <laughs> we have been able to look right. at uh, different accounts that show the same email. So we are very convinced that these are real emails, and they, they actually sort of prove that Hunter Biden has lied about the answers to these two things. That's right. So did you use your father's office to gain commercial opportunities overseas? He's going to probably say, say no. no. And you would say what? And then I would say, well, you know, that's interesting, Mr. Biden, because I'm going to refer to an email you sent to a Mexican businessman in February 2016, 
where you wrote, we have been talking about business deals and partnerships for seven years. I really appreciate me you letting me stay at your resort villa, but I have brought every single person you have ever, ever asked me to bring to the effing White House and the vice president's house and the inauguration. And then you go completely silent. I don't hear from you for months. I don't know what it is that I've done and why I've delivered on every single thing that you've ever asked. And you make me feel like I've done something to offend you. Clearly, clearly he is linking access to, and that is the resources of his uh, father's office for commercial opportunities. So by doing it this way, And asking the first question, he either needs to tell the truth, which is yes, and now he's in trouble because that domino falls, or you follow up with his own words, proving the fact that he is actually lying and you're undermining his credibility, which I don't actually think will be that difficult to do if the committee's smart about this. And this email is done in February 2016. So obviously he's talking about at the time, Joe Biden's office in the White House being as vice president, not president, but it doesn't matter, right? Right. The point is he's the son of the vice president. He's bringing his business associates there. And we know like, there's been numerous examples of Joe Biden showing up, being on the phone, and uh, and meeting with Hunter Biden's businesses, even in the White House and when he was vice president. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so that would bring us to the second question. Did you ever discuss foreign policy matters with your father involving people who were paying you money? And among the people who have paid Hunter, among the vast catalog yeah. of foreign funders of the Biden uh, family scheme is this Ukrainian natural gas company, Burisma. And yes. so this is actually the fact pattern. We've had Seamus Bruner, who has a wonderful book out, Control Oligarchs, by the way. But he has talked through the fact pattern. And be, I mean, every day it seems like a little drip, drip, drip. But if you step back and take like, what does the actual fact pattern look like? And what validation and authentication do we have about it? The fact pattern for Burisma is actually quite damning. In my opinion, the most damning for Joe Biden. Like they could just ask Hunter Biden Burisma questions all day long. Right. And they could camp out there. But we think that there's solid evidence that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were did discuss Burisma when Burisma was paying Hunter Biden. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you asked that question, did you ever discuss foreign policy matters with your father involving people who are paying you money? He's going to answer no. Yep. Because if he answers yes, then he crosses now another red line and it collapses their entire position. The follow-up question should be then, you know, Mr. Biden, I refer you to an email you received from the a vice president of Burisma in 2015. He describes the, quote, deliverables for you for the $1 million they were paying you a year. One of those deliverables included getting the prosecutor in Ukraine to lay off the head of Burisma. Your business partner says that you did, in fact, call your father from Dubai and ask him to fire the the prosecutor in January 2016. And your father later admitted to pressuring to getting the prosecutor fired. The point is, you're asking him a very specific question. You know the answer to the question and you can respond accordingly if he's not being honest. You think he'll try to say that it's just a coincidence that we have emails from his boss, Hunter Biden's boss at Brisbane saying, listen, you haven't done the thing that we've asked you to do. And it's like sort of unclear. And then here's to be clear what we want you to do. We want you to get this prosecutor fired. Yeah. Months later, his father gets the prosecutor fired. His father brags about getting the prosecutor fired. Right. And then he gets, Hunter Biden gets a follow-up email says, or Hunter Biden says, look, this is an example of the value we can provide to you. Right. And so I guess Hunter Biden would be like, yeah, it's just all coincidence. Yeah. Well, he's going to say it's coincidence or he's going to play the drug card. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I was on drugs. uh, I was making promises to business people that I couldn't keep. I didn't really want to talk to my dad, but I was desperate for the money. I had all this pressure. I mean, it's going to become a drug issue. But again, 
the fact of the matter is his response, his initial response of no, you need to be able to counter it with the actual facts and information. If you don't do that, if you just argue with him, which is what some of the committee members are going to do, it's not going to be very uh, effective because it's going to be he said, she said, um, and then you end up with a draw if that's the scenario. To me, by the way, the fact that uh, if Hunter Biden does put the drug card, specifically as it relates to this time frame, because remember, this is the time frame 2016, Hunter Biden is drugged out right ahead of the election. You know, it's Hillary versus Donald Trump. He's abandoned his rental car in Arizona and he's kind of hiding out and the, you know, the FBI ends up looking for him. So 2016, not a great year for Hunter Biden as it relates to sobriety. It's not. And but, yet, and but, yet. So if, but if he's that drugged out, then you can't reasonably say that he's responsible for getting the prosecutor fired, right? Right. So if it wasn't him, right. who else is the one that did it? It's well, exactly. the other Biden. And, yeah. we know, and we know based on the emails, yes, Hunter had a drug problem, but there are all kinds of coherent emails and deals and meetings that he's taking right. and all sorts of money that's flowing in. So he really can't have it both ways, but he will certainly try to have it both ways. So, so those are the two big overarching questions you right know, did you talk about business with your father and did you right. use his office to gain money right and we have evidence to suggest the answer to both those is yes despite what he says exactly based on on his own evidence and then there's other questions that are a little bit more specific i think right. one as it relates to how it connects to joe biden would be why did your company rosemont seneca pay for a private phone line for your father while he was vice president why is that question important yeah that question is important because what hunter's probably going to say is well i love my dad and i just wanted to pop I wanted to talk with Pop and, 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 uh, uh, you know, we just, we just talk all the time on a personal basis. Well, then the follow up question should be, then why were your business partners conversing with him on a regular basis? Cause this again goes to the heart of the connection between what Hunter Biden's doing and what Joe Biden, vice president of the United States at the time was doing. Again, you're asking a question. You're anticipating what his answer is. Whatever his answer is, you are prepared to respond, especially if he is lying with real factual information. I think it's not just that Rosemont Seneca paid for a phone line for Joe Biden. I believe Rosemont Seneca also paid for numerous hotel stays for Joe Biden. I mean, there were expenses for Joe that were written off as business expenses for Hunter, which would seem to further cement the idea that Joe Biden, even when he, though he wasn't vice president at the time, was seen as an employee of Hunter Biden's. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot to go there. And again, they need to go into these hearings prepared. If they go in there and wing it and they're looking for an opportunity to zing Hunter Biden, uh, I think the subpoena is probably going to not be tele. You know, the discussion is not going to be televised, but still the grandstanding still is going to take place. And and I think that's ridiculous. Are you concerned? Because I think the last time we've seen this, I mean, it's a weird thing to say, but we've seen people make just factual errors in terms of the questions they ask uh, the right. people that are testifying because then. The, the questions four through seven can get fairly specific and they have, you know, actual dollar amounts and right. business deals and foreign sounding names and for, yeah, it's complicated, right? I mean, that's right. one of the reasons why I think people have generally evaded accountability because it's like, wait, what now? So, um, are you concerned that the members of Congress will lack, let's call it the factual certainty, uh, to be able to, to ask the right questions as it relates to specific business deals. Yeah, they will they will lack the knowledge base. Now, I yeah. think I think Comer's been fantastic. I think he's done a great job. I'm I'm generally skeptical of these congressional hearings, but I think Comer's been great. And again, there's some other members of the the committee, Nancy Mace would be another one who've done a good job. They seem to know the material. Then you have others that are just kind of off the rails. And I would almost <laughs> hope that they would defer their question time to somebody who really knows. I'm sure that'll uh, happen. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to some of these other questions. Um, you know, 
The Chinese government connecting entities paid you, Hunter Biden, some $31 million while your father was vice president of the United States. What did they get in return? Now, let's don't just gloss over that fact pattern, right? Yep. Like, so $31 million. This is something that Peter Schweitzer reported in his book, Red Hated, runaway blockbuster bestseller, Red Hated, by the way, cultural phenomenon bestseller, $31 million, at least $31 million going to Hunter James Biden, other Biden family members, money that can be traced back to the top levels of the Communist Party's espionage arm. Right. So um, you got Chinese spies essentially giving tens of millions of dollars to the Biden family. Right. It seems worth a follow up to ask what it was for. Yeah, exactly what it was for. And, and, and notice that's a very specific. What did they get in return? Because. There's really only a couple ways to answer this. One is nothing, right? <laughs> I just kind of hoodwinked them. And to kind of believe that, because the $31 million didn't come in just one payment. Right. It was a series of payments for a variety of things. Which gets to your subscription model. Yeah, which gets to the subscription model. But also, I mean, if he's going to say they got nothing in return, what he's asking us to believe is that these Chinese businessmen, Henry Zhao, Chairman Yi, Che Feng, are just complete morons. They're just <laughs> handing out tens of millions of dollars to some guy who's got a drug problem. He's going to play the drug problem and didn't get anything. In return. They're just morons, which which really makes no sense. These guys were all successful businessmen in one form or the other. They're literally the top Communist Party officials, right? Like right. these guys have ascended for right. a reason. Right. The top Chinese Company, Communist Party, like spies, so guys yeah. who like literally in the intelligence business. Yeah, they all had ties to uh, to uh, to Chinese intelligence, and so that's a great question to ask. What did they get in return? So he could say nothing, yeah. and then you would have to believe that he's this like incredibly smart guy, deft guy, and these guys are all morons. The other thing would be to kind of blur it and say, well, I offered them, you know, quote unquote, strategic advice on doing business in the United States, but of course, the only business that he knows in the United States is politics. Um, so that opens up a can of worms, but that's a very specific question to answer. And again, you got to be prepared when he obfuscates, when he tries to manipulate or blur, you've got to be willing to, um, uh, to really hone in on that. So you mentioned these names, but that's actually question number five. Who is Henry Zhao? Who is Chairman Yi? Who is Che Fang? These are all people that Hunter Biden should know intimately because he's taken money from them and he's done <laughs> business with them. Right. But these specific people, again, it's not like these are international businessmen of world renowned, right? These are not necessarily the people you're going to see profiled in Forbes. Yeah, no, I mean, these these are guys that are all tied in one form or another to the national security state of China. So Henry Zhao, he has lots of email exchanges with Henry Zhao, calls him a great friend. But by asking him, who is Henry Zhao, Chairman Yi and Che Feng? He's just going to say, oh, they're businessmen I was doing business with. And then the follow-up question should be, were you not aware of their ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence? I'm curious because in some of the cases, it's listed in their public biographies. I mean, in other words, you're doing business with guys. They're handing you millions of dollars. You're not really giving them anything in return. Didn't you bother to check on the backgrounds of these people? And wasn't it worrisome to you? And of course, it would have been. And it's, and, but I think to go the other way, I think Hunter Biden wasn't worried because he's like openly threatening these Chinese officials. Remember, we've seen the WhatsApp message from yep. July 30th in which he, uh, Hunter Biden is saying, hey, I'm sitting here with my dad. Yep. These commitments have not been fulfilled. And, you know, what? Well, I can go make $5 million anywhere else. Like, what's right. the problem, right? I mean, right. He's, he's threatening a Chinese official connected to CEFC, which is whom Chairman Yi works for. He's the head of CEFC. Right. And then why that matters is five days later, October or August 4th, 2017, uh, 
CEFC pays Owasco, one of Hunter Biden's businesses, over a million dollars. And another five million comes through, I think, four days after that. So it's like Hunter Biden makes a threat to a Chinese official. And then you get over six million dollars comes through the old account. Yeah. And I think that's the transaction that needs to be asked about related to not just who those people are, but why are they sending you this much money after you threaten them right. when you're referencing your father specifically? Right. And when you talk about bribery or extortion, it can be a thin line, right? It can be that the Chinese officials want to get things in return. Hunter Biden wants it. But but bribery and extortion can be two you know, v- uh, elements that are very closely aligned. But that brings us to question number six, the CEFC money you just talked about, which is $6 million that the Biden family comes. Now, when this was disclosed by the House Oversight Committee, uh, Hunter Biden issued a statement and characterized the money as good faith seed money. Yeah is how he described it. So one of the questions you'd ask is you characterize money sent by Mr. Yi as good faith seed money for your business. If so, why were those funds transferred to family members, including Biden children? So does it matter? Because like, I guess that, that gets, is Hunter Biden not allowed to do whatever he wants to with his money? Well, good faith seed money actually has a legal connotation. Seed money is an investment in a business, right? So if I'm seeding your business, I'm not seeding you to give money to your kids or to give money to your brother. Um, you're, you're, you're actually not seeding the business. You're using it for personal consumption. Unless the business is the Biden. Which, which <laughs> you know, kind of it is, right? Well, exactly. It is. Exactly. It is. But it gives, it gives, you you know, it gives reality to this fraud that somehow, in my mind, that somehow Hunter Biden is engaged in this deft commercial enterprise for which he's being paid millions of dollars that is completely disconnected to his family's, uh, his father's political position. So that's the sixth question. And then I think, you know, there's a lot of other sub questions they could ask. Right. But I think the bottom line is you've got Chairman Yi giving the Bidens a five million forgivable interest loan. So I think you would, again, say like, like what basically, I mean, if you want to kind of lump all these sub questions into a larger question, what were you doing for the money you're taking from China? Right. 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 So there's that. But then you had, I think the last question you have uh, would actually be the one that maybe poses the greatest risk or threat to America's national security. And that's, I think, an often overlooked subplot of the Biden scheme is the amount of U.S. technology that Hunter Biden was sort of allowing or was used, I think, to allow to transfer to China. When we know China does not have America's best interest at heart. Yeah, yeah, they're competitors and we know that they're competitors. And so, you know, uh, I would ask him a question about his. He was a board member of BHR, uh, Bohai Harvest RST, which was a Chinese government funded investment fund. Yeah. Um, he was on the board and they invested in a company called Hennigus uh, that triggered a federal government review while Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. And it triggered this review because Hennigus produces military sensitive technology. So it triggered what's called a CFIUS review. And one of the questions I would simply ask is, um, you know, did you ever talk to your father or any other officials about that review? Now, his probable answer is going to be no, I did not. Um, and I think the follow up needs to be, you know, that's curious because several times in the BHR investment literature, it references the fact that you have high level relationships in Washington that which can be, quote unquote, leveraged. Um, you know, so again, with whom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with whom? It's in Washington, D.C. And we, you, you know, your father's vice president of the United States. So the point is, as the committee prepares for this, 
they should not be thinking about, I'm going to have this just great question. I'm going to knock them out or I'm going to ask him this question he's not expecting. They're going to be expecting all these questions. But what you as a committee have to do and what the researchers and the staff have to do is make sure that you anticipate what the answer is going to be and you follow up with real factual information in terms of the emails and financial records. If you wing it, if they show up and ask their questions with having 10 minutes of prep time, it's going to be a waste of time and it's going to be ineffective. Hunter Biden is scheduled to testify to the House Oversight Committee on December 13th. Uh, his uncle, James Biden, I believe is scheduled to testify the week before that on yep. December 6th. So there should be plenty of time for them to prepare, despite what Hunter Biden's attorney would say is that this is just a fishing expedition. And his actual quote is, your empty investigation has gone on too long, wasting too many better used resources. It should come to an end. From all the individuals you've requested depositions or interviews, all you will learn is that your accusations are baseless. However, the American people should see that for themselves. That's why they're going to show up. And for whatever it's worth, you know, the mainstream media continues to suggest that the Republicans have failed to uncover any actual evidence directly implicating President Biden in the wrongdoing, which I think. I mean, which, so, is, which is remarkable. Oh, it is remarkable, but, it's, but it just shows you the opportunity that I think exists for uh, the House Oversight Republicans on December 13th. Because as you noted, they do have the answers. Like The information is here to prove that Hunter Biden has not been telling the truth and prove that there is actual evidence linking Joe Biden to Hunter Biden's shady business deals. And, you know, as a parent, one of my, I think one of the parenting tactics I'm most proud of is I've told my children <laughs> that we have security cameras in the house. And it's, <laughs> and I was like, well, I have a camera in your room. And they go, oh, yeah. And, they, and so I just tell them, I was like, well, you can tell me what happened or I can go check the camera. And it's starting a little dubious, but I've, I've pretended to them that I have all the actual answers. But the House Oversight Republicans don't have to pretend. That's right. They do have the emails. They have Hunter Biden's own words in which he's admitted in the, the financial records. So they have their version of my in-home cameras to prove uh, how corrupt Joe Biden and Hunter Biden is. We hope that they just use it appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like any, um, you know, this is obviously a congressional hearing. It's not a criminal case. It's not a criminal trial, but it's kind of like that. It's up to the prosecutor. I mean, you can have all the best evidence in the world, um, but you as a prosecutor have to present it in a way that people understand. And the, the, the jury, as it were, I'll put that in quotation marks in this case, is the American public because this is going to be released. The question is going to be released. The media is going to do their spin. Um, and it's all going to come down to how effective the prosecutors use the evidence that they have, because as we've talked about many times the evidence is there. It's clear. Joe Biden was involved. Joe Biden prosecuted, uh, uh, profited. Um, and this is a case that I think needs to and warrants an impeachment. Well, and let's just say this, right? While, while it is not a criminal case, uh, let's remember the one kind of hidden headline in that recent New York Times poll, in which it showed Donald Trump and Joe Biden in a head-to-head matchup in these five key swing states. The number one variable was in all those five states that Donald Trump was uh, winning against Joe Biden, or the four of the five, uh, the thing that double digits in the four states he was winning was that there's a double digit margin. More Americans thought that Joe Biden had personally profited off of Hunter Biden's business deals. So that clearly is an issue that's moving the needle for the American public. This is your chance in December of, you know, December 13th. So you got three weeks from now uh, to be able to put that on full display. Yeah. So to your point, it's an opportunity that doesn't come along very much. Let's hope they take advantage of it. Yeah. And let the American people know what the facts and the information are. Well, we're going to stay on top of this story. We will stay on top of the Hunter Biden 
uh, art story, mm-hmm. uh, see if there's any other uh, individuals that, that get favorable treatment in certain circumstances because of the purchase of his artwork. And we are going to track these hearings. Uh, we appreciate you as always listening to this podcast. We know that your time is valuable. Uh, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah. You can find out more about our research at thedrilldown.com, and you can find this podcast wherever fine podcasts can be listened to. Thanks again for listening to us. Until next time.